Some Olympic sports are based on reaction. A pass is kicked your way, the starting gun is fired, or a masterful table tennis serve springs your body into action. Other Olympic events are more deliberate. Some we'll touch on today are even scripted. Only an athlete and their equipment, in this case a gi and a bag of chalk, putting on a show. If NBC cameras could see the mind's eye of these Olympic athletes, you'd get a play-by-play that rivals any Sunday night football analysis. On this episode, two disciplines, both of which include the occasional splits on turning imagination into very real Olympic hardware. It doesn't really matter how other people do as long as you climb as best as you can. Like, that is the only thing that you have any control over. The breathing, the speed, the power, everything has to be by the book. From NBC Sports, this is The Podium, a podcast about the Tokyo Olympic Games. Coming to you daily during the Games, we'll bring you the stories shaping the greatest athletic competition in all the world, held in extraordinary times. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. Today, the Tokyo Budokin in Adashi City, northern Tokyo, came alive with the sounds of karate practice. Each tatami, the square surface on which karateka's practice, played host to an elaborate set of movements called akata. Some with sequences formalized more than six centuries ago. American Sakura Kokomai explained this solitary combat sport to the podium earlier in the season. For a kata, you will only see one athlete in the ring. You would see them perform a kata. A kata is a combination of punches, blocks, and kicks. And I would say the average length of one kata is about three minutes. There is 102 katas on a on the official list in the rule book. Our job as athletes is to pick one per round and perform it in front of seven referees. So at the end of each performance, the referees will have a scoreboard and they would judge you based off of uh, speed, power, precision of technique, um, and all of that stuff. But in kata, it's usually dead silent. And if you hear somebody drop something, you can hear it because it echoes throughout the venue. Silent because everyone knows what is meant to happen. How defined are these kata? Again, there's 102 kata lists, and our job as athletes is to pick one per round, and we are not supposed to repeat these katas. Every round, it has to be different. So the referees who are lined up in front of you, so they know every single movement that you're going to do. There is no creativity in a way, because you cannot change anything with the choreography. Like When you block and when you punch, you block and you punch at a certain direction and every everything is by the book so a perfect nothing is ever perfect but like a, um, a clean performance will be an athlete nailing each stance each punch block without of course losing balance or uh, adjusting your stance as you're performing 
everything has to be crystal clear and very clean. Now it's very difficult because now you have to add speed and power into it. And there's also slower parts. So you can see a flow of the performance because what kata is, is it's telling a story of a fight. So us athletes, it's our responsibility to show, tell the story. When I'm blocking, when I'm punch, punching, I have to imagine as if I'm blocking somebody punching me. And when I'm punching, I have to imagine as if I'm punching an opponent. It's a bit like a really powerful and sort of violent dance. What would be the best kata performance? So a really good performance, you can actually see what they're doing. And like you can, you can actually feel that they're fighting somebody. So I guess that will be like what a good performance will be. So the facial expression, like the breathing, the speed, the power, everything has to be there when I perform with the precision of each technique because the stance has to be a particular like length and it has to be low. Like everything has to be by the book. So a good performance when you watch, it will kind of, it should take your breath away. Just like karateka, sport climbers making their first ascents in this new Olympic event are performing an intricate sequence of movements, cross steps and poses that must be done in perfect control and in exactly the right order. Hi, uh, I'm Kyra Condi. I'm from the U.S. and uh, I'm a sport climber. Uh, I'm Nathaniel Coleman from um, Sport Climbing and from Salt Lake City. So you're faced with these roots called problems made up of holds designed to not quite fit together, right? There's no script like in Karate's Kata, but, but you do have something called beta, right? What's beta? Beta is a specific solution to a climb. Um, if two climbers find different ways to do a boulder or a route, well, they'll call it two different betas. Uh, and the, I guess the beta for this comp, you can use it in a more general term like that, like, like kind of like my method for this competition has been, you know, preparing all three disciplines. But like, yeah, the beta for a climb is like the specific solution for that climb. So like maybe you do a toe hook where you wrap your toe on a hold. Uh, maybe somebody else uses their heel for the same move. So those would be different betas like Nathaniel's talking about. Wait, but they're also changing the roots all the time while you're in Tokyo, right? Yeah, so competition climbing, uh, other than the speed wall, which stays the same, and that's the only discipline that's like that, um, in competition climbing, we are always on different climbs and new climbs. So the ones we'll be on in qualifiers will be completely different, and we've never seen them before. That sounds like an enormous challenge. So do you kind of visualize what moves you're going to do up there before you take your first hold? It helps to visualize a full speed run once or twice while you're warming up. And we talk about knowing the moves, right, before you go out on the dance floor. In climbing, there's the ultimate test of this. In flash climbing, what is a flash? So a flash is when you send a boulder or a root your first try, but you know the beta. Uh, somebody has told you or you've watched somebody climb it. Um, there's less uncertainty. And then for... What we'll be doing, a more accurate term, would be on-site, where we don't have any 
prior information about the boulders or the roots. Uh, so it's on site. <laughs> you got to do it. Essentially doing it on your first try. And that's the best you could do in a competition is to do every climb on your first try. This might be a silly question, but when you're doing those powerful moves, do you make a big noise like the karatekas? I hear those noises when people talk about dino moves, but I'm not sure what that means. Um, <laughs> I saw a dino, like kind of is a short term for dynamic movement. Um, but like what you see in competitions, dinos are like moves usually where all four points are off the wall at once. So it means you're like jumping off your feet, using your hands and catching a hold. Um, sometimes you catch a foot as well. They can be more complicated or less complicated. Uh, as far as like a noise, like I don't know, climbing has a lot of try-hard noises. It's kind of like tennis in that way, I guess. Uh, but like, you definitely will hear people grunt, grunting and maybe even like screaming a little bit, depending on the move. A lot of people mislabel um, big moves as dinos. A dino is four points, no, no points touching the wall at any given point. A big move is maybe you leave a hand on the hold, you know. Dino noise would be something like, you know, just something to get some power, some oomph. So what does it feel like to get all the sequences right and to unlock or solve the climbing problem in front of you? I, I, like, I like the word you use with unlock. Um, if you're trying a boulder and you're using the wrong beta and then you unlock the right beta, um, it's incredibly gratifying. You feel... You feel like you're being creative and fluid on the wall. You feel like you're expressing the way that you understand climbing. Um, and then getting the top on, on a boulder in a competition is like um, just a burst of exhilaration. Yeah, I feel like a good, good way of explaining it is like flow state. I think a lot of people talk about flow state and you can kind of find it in a lot of areas. And when you do find that in climbing, you definitely can just tell. Like there are times that I've been on the lead wall and I find that flow state and I just feel relaxed and controlled and like I know what I'm doing and then there's other times where I feel jittery and excited and like frantic on the wall and those are just really different feelings and I'm definitely climbing my best when I'm in that more flow state. Body and Mind Moments presented by Nordatrek from iFit. Outside running strong but look at Hunter Woodhull kicking into gear down the back stretch. He is absolutely flying right now. In the women's long jump, Tara Davis improves her lead from 22 feet a half inch out to a collegiate record 22 feet 9 inches. Tara Davis and Hunter Woodall, you are competing in the Olympics and the Paralympics this summer, respectively. But you've got this amazing social media presence and YouTube channel. And I want to know, does having fun and having this outlet play into you both performing your best? We're pretty laid back people. So, yeah, we're focused in our own ways. But us being us having fun is our way of focusing. Like if we're like too in the zone, like we're not not perform our best, but we're not ourselves. And that's just not the way you want to go into a meet. We like having fun. I think we try to not do things in our life that we don't have fun doing. So um, as long as we can do that and then we still show up on when it's time and do what we need to do and compete well and win medals and make teams, like that's all that matters. And if other people are rocking with us and they enjoy it too, like we love that. Yeah. So do you bring that same mindset to your training, you know, doing what has to be done, but also at the same time making it fun, which I know is sometimes hard to do? Anytime we're together, especially like working out, it's something that we both share in common, we both love. So it's always fun. So 
when we can do it in the comfort of our own home, we don't have to leave somewhere. If it's a bad day, it's raining outside like today, being inside, having like treadmills or bikes or things that they can offer that uh, like same level of workout and things that we need to do while also, like I said, staying in the comfort of your home and being in each other's company. It just doesn't get much better than that. Body and Mind Moments, presented by Nordatrack from iFit. So obviously you're alone with your holds on the wall, right? What challenge are you trying to overcome? Is it the wall? Is it your competitors? Is it yourself? So like in climbing, unlike like track and field, like in track and field, in order to win the event, you have to beat the people around you. You know, like you have to go faster than the people next to you. Whereas in climbing, that's, it doesn't really matter how other people do as long as you climb as best as you can. Like that is the only thing that you have any control over. Um, so I, I think I'm definitely thinking about defeating like the climb, I guess. And it's not as directly competitive with those around you. Yeah, I, th- I think the best climbers in the world focus on climbing their best without worrying about how other people are doing. Even in like speed climbing, um, you can get a boost, I think, from kind of feeling where your competitor is. But for the most part, if you focus on doing your own run, you'll do better. So it's just you and the wall. You're focused on your own problems up there. Ever get lonely? Yeah. Yeah, I think kind of an interesting aspect of climbing is that outdoor aspect. So, you know, the same people we're competing at World Cups with you can go outside with and then it's it's really just you against the boulder it really has no like it does not matter if somebody else does it before you or you know um and i think that that's how a lot of people like act in competition as well it's like you against this climb and so you'll see us talking about the different methods to do climbs with our competitors like especially in lead climbing you'll see it we'll all come out and we'll look at the climb together and talk about how we think the climb will go without any of us having actually tried it before Two sports done alone, where perfect sequence and rhythm make all the difference. It's a beautiful dance, but only if you know the moves. Follow the podium now on Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to get automatic downloads. And tune into the networks of NBC to watch it all unfold. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. 